although this is a podcast that claims to take nothing seriously, some subjects are genuinely serious and need to be treated seriously, and this episode touches on some of those topics. We've included a detailed content note for this episode in the description. Please take a moment to read that before continuing. Say your clown is sick and you've got someone new in, he's going to ad-lib slightly What are you going to do if your clown is sick? I mean... <laughs> You know, you got your back. I mean, we all know all that. We, we've all been in that situation. We've all been in that situation. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of our epic season two. Two part season opener. Two parts. In two case parts. you didn't get that. Two parts. Too furious. Yeah. We're back with the second half of Measure for Measure. Yeah. Let's get measuring. Two measure. Get the tape out. <laughs> two measure. Too furious. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just running with it. All right. So we're into Act Four. We still have to do the head trick, which is the whole other the thing. head trick. The head trick. This is not, a bed trick and a head trick. Yeah, and it's not blowjobs. I know you were thinking that. No, I was thinking, do they like change someone's head? They something? do. Yeah, literally change someone's head. Okay. We'll get there. I'm excited to see how it works. Yeah. So, Act 4, Scene 1. It's we... like a Lego. They put a different head on. <laughs> it was a bit like that. <laughs> yes. They just happen to have two fresh heads. <laughs> swap them around. We'll get there. So, Act 4, Scene 1. Mariana. We get to meet her. Hmm. And uh, the Duke and Isabella arrive and they sort of pitch the plan to her. And she's like, yep, sounds good. I'm up for that. Okay. Yep. So she's she's happy to go ahead with this. So we're doing it. Okay. Bed trick coming up. There's a, a kind of a missing scene, not missing in the sense that like, ooh, Shakespeare wrote it and it's not in the play anymore. Mm. Missing as in like, I feel that it's something that probably maybe a modern playwright or a woman playwright would have explored which is that Isabella then has to go back to Angelo and agree the kind of arrangement to meet and pick up a key from him. Okay. So, you know, I, I am interested in that as a, as a line of the narrative that Shakespeare chooses not to explore. Mm, interesting keys. Interesting keys. No, <laughs> interesting that like having agreed this bed trick, she then has to go back and face Angelo again. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So then... Oh, yeah. Something I forgot to mention in the previous scene is that Pompey uh, was brought before Aeschylus again on some charges. And so Aeschylus is like, dude, I warned you about this. Like, why, man? So he assigns him, basically, he sends him to prison and tells him he's going to have to work in the prison. So the provost kind of says to him, "Okay, well, how do you feel about cutting off a man's head? And Pompey's like, yeah, I think I could do that. I think so. That would be fine. So he's like, great, you're going to assist a person who is our executioner. Abortion. Abortion. As in abhor, like hate, but son. Son of hate. Son of hate. Yes. Yes. And he is uh, appropriately the executioner for the prison. So Pompey's going to be his assistant. Um, and this is a, a thinly veiled plot trick to get Pompey into the head trick scenes, basically. Okay. So they've got two people who are scheduled to be executed. One of them is this guy called Barnadine. Barnadine? Barnadine. Good name. Yes. And also Claudio. Claudio is uh, supposed to be killed by the next morning. Barnadine has been in prison for a really long time. 
and he essentially just refuses to die. Okay, can you just do that? Apparently you can. So he, you know, well, we'll come back to him in a little bit, but basically he, you have to be kind of religiously prepared for death, right? And if you're not, they won't kill you. And if you're not, they won't kill you. So why doesn't Claudio just like not be prepared for death? This is a great question. Apparently he doesn't care. He's not seen the loophole. Yeah, he, he has not seen the loophole but barnadine basically has has gone on and on sort of lingering in prison because every time they come to kill him he says oh i'm too drunk to die today or nope i've not made confession i can't die today. how is he getting drunk in the prison this is also a good question <laughs> just at the prison bar it's not a very high security <laughs> facility barnadine is a, a an example of uh, alternatives to carceral logic mm. um resist. when you said barnadine do you know what i thought of immediately what? Barney the dinosaur. Barney the dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> so just picture a large purple. <laughs> a large purple dinosaur. dinosaur. I love you. Okay, so that that scene is all taking place while the bed trick is happening. Right. right so Mariana um, has gone off to meet Angelo, and that that's going down. Um, and the Duke is in the prison, and they're making all the pompy jokes, and they're figuring out Barnadine, blah blah blah, and. The problem comes when a message comes from Angelo after the bed trick has happened, so when he thinks he's gotten what he's wanted, which says, uh, send me Claudio's head first thing in the morning and in the afternoon, Barnadine. Mm. Yeah. So he's requested two heads and he says, whatsoever you hear to the contrary. So no matter what else gets said, I need Claudio's head on a platter first thing in the morning. I need those heads. Yep. Um, Has he got any plans for those heads or anything? Does he put them on his wall or something? Who knows? So the Duke kind of freaks out about this, right? He's like, okay, all my best laid plans have gone astray. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do now? And he decides that he needs to make a triumphant return as the Duke. And that will solve everything somehow. Okay. And just be like, you're not in charge anymore. Yes. And And he can do that, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, he can do that, but also... I don't think it's going to help as much as he thinks it will. No. So anyway, he sort of recruits the provost to help him out with this. And he gives him a whole bunch of letters, one for the the friary where he's been so that they'll help out. One that he says, you know, he, he pretends that he's got a letter from himself to himself <laughs> that he shows the provost and is like, look, the, the Duke's coming back in two days. Um, these are all the things we need to do. Let's put a plan in place call your executioner and off with Barnadine's head. Uh, I'll, I'll figure out what to do about Claudio. All right, so there's an order for Claudio's head. It's all still the same night. They're still in the prison. They're trying to kill Barnadine, trying to get Barnadine to, to agree to die. And the plan is that they're going to buy themselves some time by giving Barnadine's head to Angelo first thing in the morning instead of Claudio's. The head trick. The head trick. This is part one of the head trick. There's two parts to this head trick. It's a two-part head trick. Jeez. Yep. So they're like, all right, so let's execute Barnadine. He's supposed to die anyway. He's been supposed to die for a long time. No one will care if he dies. Poor Barnadine. I I actually feel really bad for Barnadine. What what was he in prison for in the first place? They never really say. I don't know exactly what he's in for, but it's, it's not fornication. Yeah. So Barnadine is basically like, nope, I do not consent to die today. It's not happening, guys. You can't can't make me, basically. And it turns out they can't. Mm. For some reason. 
Although apparently that doesn't work for Claudio. Nobody thinks that this is an option. But conveniently, the provost comes in and says, hey, I've got a solution. This other guy, Ragazine, who we've never heard of, happened to die this morning. Ragazine. Ragazine. Like, spelt like magazine with an R. Uh, R-A-G-O-Zine. Oh, yes. Ragozine. Ragozine. Okay. Yep. It's a random um, name. So he very conveniently happened to die. Just happened and to die. he's a most notorious pirate, so we don't have to feel oh. bad that he's dead. Oh, well, that's fine then. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. And even better, he is a man of Claudio's years, his beard and head just of his color. So he's an even better head trick than Barnadine. Well, that's very convenient. It's extremely convenient. So they give Ragazine's head to Angelo instead. Uh, and the Duke dispatches the head off to Angelo, and he hears Isabella coming and decides, in an aside to the audience, that he's going to keep her in ignorance that Claudio is still alive. He's not going to reveal to her that Claudio has been saved. Because he thinks her performance will be more believable. I think because he's just a controlling asshole. Right, he just wants to be the... Yeah, yeah. he wants to be the one who saved everything. And he's got this big... He wants to be the saviour. He has a plan for a big reveal at the end. And he's, like I said, real villain of the piece, in my opinion. So Isabella gets there and he's like, oh, the pardon for your brother hasn't come. And in fact, he's gone to, he's gone to God. He's in heaven. Sorry. And she is obviously really upset about this. And the Duke takes this advantage of her being so upset to say to her, to sort of co-opt her into his big master reveal plan. So he says to her, look, there's another friar who's going to come and meet you and he's going to take you into town because the Duke is coming tomorrow. And when the Duke gets here, you need to stand up in front of everybody and ask for justice because he's going to hear public complaints in like the town center when he comes back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Why he couldn't just deal with this all now? Who yeah. knows? It's ridiculous. He just wants the, the, the drama of it all, doesn't he? He does. He does. He's a big drama queen. I guess they didn't have soap operas back then, so... This, this he was just their soap thought, opera. You know, if I pretend to be a, a monk, I can just sort of sit in the sidelines and get some popcorn and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he literally... He's like that Michael Jackson gif of him, like, eating popcorn in Thriller. Yeah. That's, that's what this is. That's, that's the duke. That's the Duke. But then he feels like he has to get in on the action himself. He oh, can't, yeah. can't sit like, still for too long. Yeah, he's, he's seen it. And there's like, I want to be in it. Yep. So he says, you and Mariana come to town tomorrow with this other friar, Friar Peter, and the Duke will hear your complaint. So what's Peter's deal? He's just a background he's friar. Just a friar. He's just a background he's just friar. just a convenient friar. Yeah, he's he's like the sort of bass player in Elbow, you know. Right, okay. <laughs> just Just, you know, helping out. Yeah. Helping out his good friend, the Duke. I want to know more about Ragazine or whatever he's called. Well, he's a most notorious pirate. Yeah. Who looks a lot like Claudio. I don't know about you, but there's a play going on here, right? Yeah. <laughs> In case you didn't know. <laughs> and notorious pirate sounds like an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. And he's just a plot device. Yeah. I mean, if it was me, I would have been like, let's get this pirate in. He could at least, you know, get some sort of pirate laughs out of it or yeah, something. You know? pirate subplot. Yeah. yeah. There's some pirates in the mix. You're going to be really upset. When come we're... on, the pirates, they're going to be the ones in the house of ill repute, aren't they? Like, Surely. Come on. Like, you'd think. That yeah. whole thing about, was it Lucius? Lucio. Lucio. Lucius Lion. <laughs> You're just going to make that joke every time. I am, yeah. Lucio. Uh, Lucio. Um, getting the brothel woman mm-hmm. pregnant. 
I would have got if it was me. I would have got, let's get Ragazine in. Yeah, that should have been Ragazine, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're gonna be really mad when we get to Hamlet. Really? Because he does the same thing. Pi- pirate, extreme pirate erasure in Hamlet. It was the time of pirates. Mm-hmm. You know, like get some fucking pirates in the mix. Yeah, write a pirate play, Shakespeare. What's yeah, wrong with you? Come on. I don't know. He he did not see fit to give Ragazine the pirate a, a proper storyline. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I know. Okay, so the Duke and Lucio have another little spat, and we carry on. Now, Angelo finds out in the next scene that the Duke is coming back, and he kind of panics. He's like, wait a minute, that can't happen. And he says that he, in a, in a soliloquy, obviously not to anybody, because he can't confess what he did, that this deed unshapes me quite. He feels super guilty about having deflowered Isabella, he thinks. Oh, so the deed's gone down now at this point. Yes, yes. So the, the bed trick has happened. So, and he okay. still tried to have Claudio killed. And like I said before in the Changeling episode, how is the bed trick... How does he believe that he's not just had sex with Mariana, who he knows and was, you know, engaged to? I mean, think about Angelo. Right. Is she conveniently, like Ragazine, very similar in appearance to... Isabel. I mean, I think so. so is Isabella, Isabel? Is it both either? Okay. Yeah, I think part of it is that it happens after dark in a sort of garden. Darkness shed. is the friend of the yeah. bed trick. In a in a garden house, so she a garden of, house. Yeah, she kind of like lets herself in the garden gate after dark. Okay. Yeah. So darkness. Because it's not fornication if you do it in the garden. Right. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Obviously, um, partly darkness. Partly that he and Mariana, we presume, have never boned because he has these very strong feelings. Well, the dowry hadn't come in yet. He wasn't going to... Yeah, he's not going to steal gonna... the deal before the dowry's there. No. He's an asshole. So, <laughs> so, yeah, presumably it's not like he'd be like, wait a minute, Mariana used to do that. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think also he just is so convinced that he's gotten away with it, right? Like, these kind of dudes are very egotistical. Yeah. And he just has, he just probably... He's not actually in it for the sex, he's in it for the power. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Sexual violence is almost always mostly about power. About power. Yeah. Um, so that's really what's going on here. Right. Okay. So he feels bad. Wah, wah, world's tiniest violin. Nobody cares. <laughs> you say world's tiniest penis. <laughs> Maybe that too. <laughs> world's tiniest ice penis. <laughs> Ugh, no, <laughs> nothing about that feels good. <laughs> world's tiniest violin okay right nobody feels bad for you angelo go fuck yourself so we get to act five right all the duke has, thinks he's kind of put all of this magic in place he's gonna triumphantly return to town and he's gonna have some justice all right so he arrives and he has a very nice speech and uh isabella he, he sort of thanks Angelo and Isabella comes sort of running in and she says, justice, O royal duke, veil your regard upon a wronged, I would fain have said a maid. A worthy prince, dishonor not your eye by throwing it on any other object till you have heard me in my true complaint and given me justice, 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 justice. Wow. Four justices. Four justices. We need quadruple justice. Why not three? Because it wouldn't have fit the meter. Ah, meter for meter. Mm-hmm. And the Duke, feigning innocence, says, well, 
tell me what's happened. Here is Lord Angelo who can give you justice. And she's like, no, Lord Angelo cannot give me justice. That's actually what I'm here to talk about. And Angelo's like, this crazy woman, (laughs) what is she talking about? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it does sound crazy, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound crazy that Angelo would be forsworn, that he would not be an honest man? Wouldn't it be crazy that Angelo could be a murderer? Wouldn't it be crazy that Angelo is an adulterous thief and a hypocrite and a virgin violator? Hmm, yeah, sounds crazy. And the Duke's like, yeah, yeah, it does. Sounds really out there. You're going to need to give me more than that. And the Duke basically gaslights her and is like, "Mm, she speaks in the infirmity of sense. She really is crazy. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she keeps trying and she keeps, she's got some really good speeches in here. And then the Duke kind of comes around and he says, well, I, I still think that she's probably mad, but it does have the ring of truth about it. You know, it, it's oh, kind so he's of, got to put on a little bit of an act. Yeah, he's he's putting on an act, but in the process, like fully gaslighting this poor yeah. girl who he induced to come and have this big public claim so for he's, justice. He's got in the to pretend place. to gaslight her. Well, he's not pretending; he well, is gaslighting. You know what I mean? He's got to <laughs> gaslight her. Yeah. To sort of sell, so that yeah. Yeah, so he can have his big reveal. All right, so. She starts to tell her story and Lucio kind of jumps in and is like, yeah, I can back her up. Like, I'm the one who asked her to go and talk to Angelo in the first place. And the Duke is like, shut the fuck up, man. You suck. And <laughs> because they've been fighting oh, yeah, the whole time. But yeah. Lucio doesn't know that that was the Duke he was talking to. So it's funny because the audience knows ha, ha, the backstory. Ha. Yeah. Yes. A um, bit of light relief in the midst of this. So Isabella tells the whole story and the Duke is like, by heaven, fond wretch, thou knowst not what thou speakst. You don't know what you're talking about. Or else thou art suborned against his honor in hateful practice. Someone's put you up to this. Right? Who is it that's trying to undermine Angelo and, and induced you to come here today? And she's like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> come on. Yeah. All I want is justice for my brother, who she still thinks is dead at this point. And Isabella says, look, there is somebody who can back up everything that I've said. It's this friar I've been talking to. I wish that he was here right now. His name is Friar Lodovic, and I, I wish you could go and get him. And the Duke is, says, oh, who, who is it that knows this friar? Mm. Like a dickhead. And Lucio says, oh, yeah, I know him. Um, and then they go back and forth a bit. And Father Peter comes forward, finally. Friar Peter serves yeah. some purpose. Fr- friar Peter says, basically, I can bring someone in who will refute everything that Isabella has just said. And the Duke says, okay, go and get her. And uh, then sort of like jokes with Angela, like, oh, isn't this hilarious? These stupid women. So Mariana comes in. And this is one of those exchanges in the play that I just can't get over. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. So Mariana comes in veiled. Her face is covered. Okay. Her whole face. So the Duke says, well, first let her show her face and after speak. And Mariana says, pardon, my lord, I will not show my face until my husband bid me. And the Duke says, oh, so you're married? And she said, no. And he says, well, then you must be a maid, a virgin. No. Uh, You must be a widow then. And she says, well, I'm not a widow either. And he says, why, you are nothing then. Neither maid, widow, nor wife. Wow. Yep. Uh, And Lucio helpfully jumps in and says, my lord, she may be a punk, as in a prostitute, for many of them are neither maid, widow, nor wife. Wow. Yep. So those are your options, apparently. Virgin, wife, widow, prostitute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
those are the choices. You got to pick one. Or nothing. Or nothing. You'd just be nothing. Yeah. Just absolutely nothing. Wow. Yeah. Good, this one's going uh, pretty high up on the <laughs> yeah. misogynometer. This is a solid, this is a solid, solid ten one. out of ten. Is it? I think so. Ooh. I don't want to preempt the misogynometer. Well, but yeah. So Mariana says, "My lord, as you confess, I was never married, and confess besides that I am no maid. I have known my husband carnally, yet my husband knows not that he ever knew me. Yeah, because Angelo is her husband, and they've done the bed trick, and he didn't know. Yeah, yeah, oh, hilarious." And this is a comedy, right? Yeah. So Mariana says, listen, I can refute everything Isabella's just said, because at the time that she claims she was being deflowered by him, he was with me. And the Duke says, well, hang on, who's your husband? <laughs> like He's, you know, pretending to be confused. And she says, well, Angelo is my husband, who thinks he knows that he ne'er knew my body, but knows he thinks that he knows Isabel's. Right, okay. So Angelo says, what? Let me see your face. And she says, oh, my husband bids me, now I will unmask. She takes the veil off and she sort of lets him have it a little bit for leaving her in the lurch all those years ago and calling off their engagement. And Angelo confesses that he knows her and five years since there was some speech of marriage betwixt myself and her, but he says it was broken off partly because her dowry didn't come in, but mostly because she disvalued her reputation in levity. She was just too much fun. Wow. Yeah. Well, he, we know he's he's a he's a barrel of laughs, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, excellent guy. And he says, "Well, it's been five years. I haven't spoken to her in five years." And Mariana says, oh, "See, that's what he thinks." But actually, we did this whole bed trick thing. And Angelo's like, "Listen, that's enough. I've I've had enough accusations against me. I am a pillar of this community, and how dare they?" And Good, my lord, the duke, give me the the scope of justice, right? Let me deal with this and punish them the however I like. The scope of justice. The scope of justice. Sounds like a Marvel. It does. It sounds <laughs> like the, was it, like Thor's hammer or whatever. Yeah. The scope of justice. Yeah. It's like a telescope or something. Yeah. What, you look through it and you can see if someone's telling the truth oh, or not. That would be handy. That would be good. Yeah. Or if someone's a virgin or not. And if it was in this period, they'd, yeah. they'd probably prefer that. I wouldn't like that. They they would, is what I'm saying. The men would, yeah. In the, in the time period, they'd probably prefer that. They would. But then you, would, you couldn't call it the scope of justice. I no, it would be the scope of perversion or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little ring to it there. Mm. <laughs> so Angelo asks for permission to kind of deal with this situation himself. And the Duke says, yes, go for it. Punish them to the height of your pleasure. And uh, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and you, you all deal with this. So he leaves. He leaves to disguise himself as the friar and come back. Of course. In disguise. But that's not obviously what he tells everyone. So Aeschylus... It's a Shakespeare play and someone's dressing up as... In a poor disguise. <laughs> someone they're not. <laughs> what a shock. What a shock. Yeah, so surprising. Oh, it's a comedy. Of course, it's a comedy. It's in Shakespeare's little uh, formula, isn't yeah. it? Totally. It is totally Shakespeare's formula. Oh, someone's got to be in disguise and all their friends and family no longer recognize them. Yeah. He puts a little like a hat on or something. Yeah. It? Genuinely. The, the little monk bowl cap or whatever. Mm -hmm. And people are just like immediately like, oh, who's this guy? Mm -hmm. Even though he, the rest of him is exactly the same. Exactly the same. Okay. So the Duke comes back, disguised as a friar. And Isabella comes back in having been arrested. And the Duke in disguise is like, oh, okay, like I can, I can give my uh, testimony here. 
And he says, the Duke's unjust thus to report your manifest appeal and put your trial in the villain's mouth, which here you come to accuse. So he's, he's sort of trying to stand up for Isabella in disguise as the friar, even though as the Duke, he was gaslighting her a minute ago. And Aeschylus um, gets very upset at this sort of slander of the Duke um, because he's an upstanding gentleman. And he tries to kind of challenge the, the friar who is the Duke. And the Duke says, oh, be not so hot. The Duke dare no more stretch this finger of mine than he dare rack his own. Right. So he's kind of given away the game a bit. And it's <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, funny because we know who he is. They try and arrest him. And in the scuffle of trying to arrest him, his friar's hood comes off and it's revealed that he is, in fact, the Duke. Of course. It's like exactly like I said. Of course. He puts a hood up. Yep. And, uh, and oh, who's that guy? I've never seen that guy in my life. Puts the hood down. Oh, hello, Duke. Yeah. How are you doing? Literally. That's... Hood back up. Oh, who's this guy? Who is this guy? Who's he, where did he come from? Who is this friar? <laughs> I've never seen him before. Yeah, that is that is Shakespeare play logic. It's like the clothes all over again, isn't it? Yes. So uh, the Duke uh, is revealed to be the Duke um, and Angelo realizes that the jig is up and he says, oh, my dread Lord, I should be guiltier than my guiltiness to think I can be undiscernible when I perceive your grace like power divine had looked upon my passes. Mm -hmm. So the Duke is being uh, compared to literal God, which I'm sure he loves. Probably got a big ego boner over that one. Yes. Uh, there's some kind of speculation that the Duke is sort of like a James, King James type of character. Right. Okay. King James-ish. I don't I don't have all the research on that, so I don't know. But he's definitely like a sort of puppet master kind of character. Right. So yeah, comparing him to God is like, yeah, that's hot. So the Duke forces Mariana and Angelo to marry. That's his punishment to Angelo. Right. He says, you know, I they're going to go and get married and that's that's going to be your first line of punishment. Oh, he's got multiple lines. He's got multiple lines of punishments. Um and while they're off getting married, he proposes marriage to Isabella for the first time. Angelo. No, the duke. The duke proposes to Isabella. Yes. Okay. Mhm. Mm Oh, and he also is still letting her think that Claudio's dead. And he, like, apologizes and says how sad she must be that her brother's dead. Oh, he probably wants to give the illusion that the brother's dead. That Maybe that gives him more leverage for her to say yes. Is that, yeah, is that what he's thinking? Yeah, he's got another big reveal coming, right? So Angelo and Mariana come back in, and they're married, and the Duke is like, great, now that you're married, I'm going to kill Angelo. Sentenced to death. Measure for measure. You Wait, I thought, I thought he was getting married. Yeah, he did get married just now. <laughs> what? Yes. So he's married Mariana. I, I think the kind of logic of that is that if she's his widow, then she inherits all of his wealth and property. Right. So the Duke's kind of trying to sort of set her up to be comfortable. Okay. I, I just thought that he just saw her as just completely expendable. No, I think he, I think the... I mean, the most the most charitable reading of that decision is that he's trying to kind of give her a, a widow's rights to Angelo's land. Right. And, and But does money. she actually like Angelo? Well, yes, she's desperately in love with him. So wouldn't she reason. rather that he was alive? She would. And in fact, she says as much. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because he's made up his mind and yeah, he is a man. Exactly. So the Duke says he's now he's going to be executed. And she says, oh, my most gracious Lord, I hope you will not mock me with a husband. And he says, well, you, he's the he's the mocker. He's the real problem here. 
and he he says, you know, you you'll be a widow. You'll have all of his property and his money, um, and you can find yourself a better husband with all that money. You'll have a dowry now. And she says, well, I don't want a better husband. He's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Just let me kill him. Mm. And Mariana kneels and she begs for Angelo's life, and she asks Isabella to kneel with her and also beg for Angelo's life. Wow. Yeah. I take it Isabella does not, or does she? Well, she does. Right, okay. Yeah. She... So the, Claudio, uh, the, the Duke says he dies for Claudio's death, and Isabella kneels and says, my brother had but justice in that he did the thing for which he died. For Angelo, his act did not overtake his bad intent. Okay. So he meant to do a bad thing, but he didn't actually, you know, the bed trick reestablished this marriage that should have been there all along. My brother did actually do some fornicating. Um, so I'm going to. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Does she like not like her brother that much? I mean, I think she loves him a lot, a lot, but she's so it's a there are readings of this play that the ending is kind of primarily about mercy. Right. So this idea that the title of the play is ironic and measure for measure is not actually the best way to get justice. No, an eye for an eye. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that Isabella is willing to be merciful towards Angela when he wouldn't be merciful to her brother is evidence of her kind of higher nature um, and her, her sort of better spirit. She is, she takes the high road, right? He goes low and she goes high. And as we'll see, it doesn't quite work out for her. And so the Duke says, no, I'm not not budging on this. And then he sort of changes tack and he says to the provost, um, how came it that Claudio was beheaded at an unusual hour, right, in the middle of the night? And the provost says, well, he commanded us to. And he says, well, hang on, <laughs> where where's that command? Does anybody still have it? And, and the provost says, well, it was it was by private message. And the Duke says, you're fired to the provost who he put in this position in the first place. James is rolling his eyes I am, for the benefit yeah. of listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And and the provost was like, wait a minute. I was just following orders, man. And actually, I, I did repent me after more advice and for testimony whereof one in the prison that should by private order else have died, I have reserved alive. What's he? Any guesses? I don't know. Barnadine. The provost? No. Barnadine. <laughs> Barnadine is the provost. It it is very confusing. No, the provost um, is saying, well, another person who I should have executed yesterday, I didn't execute because I felt so bad about Right, Barnadine. And that's Barnadine. Barney the dinosaur. That's Barney the dinosaur. Yeah. So the Duke says, um, well, I wish he was Claudio, but why don't you go and get him anyway? Just bring in Barnadine. Yeah, just bring in Barnadine. You can probably see where this is going. Oh, is he going to get married? (laughs) (laughs) So, whoever's left yeah so in come barnadine the provost claudio muffled with his face covered and juliet she's back ah presumably yeah. with the baby usually in production she's carrying the baby right okay so the duke is like well tell me about this guy barnadine and they have a bit of back and forth about that and then the he says well who's this other guy he knows who it is. Mm. He set the whole thing up. Yeah. This is his plan from start to finish. I just, it, it bugs me. He bugs me. Yeah. The Duke does. So he says, well, who's that guy? And the provost is like, oh, just some other guy who happens to look an awful lot like Claudio. And he takes his muffle off and shows his face. And the Duke says, 
If he be like your brother, for his sake is he pardoned, and for your lovely sake, give me your hand and say you will be mine, and he'll be my brother too. Wow. Yep. It's a lot of, a lot in two sentences Yeah. from the duke there. Um, and he kind of realizes, I How think... How old is the duke? Is he like some old man? Or? I mean, he's a duke, so could be anything. Right. Yeah, could be any age. We don't know how old he is. He's usually played by a slightly older man in production, like sort of middle age. Yeah. So <laughs> Angelo doesn't have to die because he didn't actually do the bad thing. Lucio gets his comeuppance and the Duke insists that he needs to marry this woman that he's got with child. Isabella says nothing else for the rest of the play, by the way. Her, her last line was some time ago. Right, okay. But in fact, the very last thing she says is begging for Angelo's life. Uh, she's she's done at that point. She's yep. served her purpose. Yep. He no, she never speaks again to the end of the play. The So Lucio is is forced to marry Kate Keepdown. He's very upset yeah, about it. Yeah, he just forced his marriages around happens. the place. Who, I want to know who Barnardine is, is being forced to marry. Yeah. <laughs> Barnardine's been sent off with Friar Peter, so... Oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Claudio and Juliet are told to get married... Mariana is is wished joy, and <laughs> Aeschylus gets thanked for being a good guy. Who's Aeschylus, Mary? Aeschylus isn't marrying anybody. Luch- no, Lucio's got married. Lucio's got married. I don't know. I don't, who, who's, who's left at this point? Aeschylus and the provost. Yeah, yeah go, I guess go, they go, could go. get together. Yeah, why not? They they don't officially, but hey. And then the very last line of the play is that he proposes to Isabella again, and it was like. The third time, right? It's, it's the second time. I preempted it a little bit. Uh, okay, yeah. right. So once the Duke has kind of like pointed to all his puppets and been like, look, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. He's very... Everybody like, gets cars. Yeah, he's very... Oprah. Except Angelo. Fuck Angelo. No, no. He says, joy to you, Mariana. Love her, Angelo. I have confessed her and know her virtue. Thanks, good friend Aeschylus, for thy much goodness. There's more behind and that is that is more gratulate. Thanks, provost, for thy care and secrecy. We shall employ thee in a worthier place. The provost gets a promotion. Forgive him, Angelo, that brought you home the head of Ragazine for Claudio's. The offense pardons itself. Dear Isabella, I have a motion much imports your good, whereto, if you'll a willing ear incline, what's mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. So okay. let's all go inside and have a party. Yeah. And that's the end of the play. Right, okay. I'm trying to think about the loose ends here now. <laughs> There's quite a few. Barnardine. What happens to Barnardine? Barnardine... He just stays in just avoiding death. Yeah, he he goes off with Friar Peter, presumably, to, like, finally prepare him for for death. What's he done that's so bad? I don't really know. I mean, I I could probably, Impersonating a dinosaur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dinosaurs weren't purple. Off with his head. (laughs) He's a heretic. Did you have that song when you were kids about Barney... It's the, it's the Barney theme song, but like the bastardized version is that you cut off his head and send it down the toilet and round and round it went. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think I know it from The Simpsons. Yeah, that's probably where it came from originally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they off with Barney's head, flush it down the toilet, mm. etc. Yeah, so Barnadine, you know, it can't have been that bad because they didn't yeah. actually kill him. But then the, the standard for execution in this version of vienna is apparently just had sex with my fiance one time yeah so you know who knows so angelo lives yes and gets a wife out of it so it is is exactly as you say it's about re-establishing the order isn't it 
yeah the disarray and then rears oh let's put everyone let's pair everyone off like in all of the other what well, as especially as you like it right yeah. everyone's pairing off mm-hmm. yep we've got lots of supposedly happy couples but we don't know if Is- isabella says yes or no yeah well she doesn't say anything so i think we're i mean there's there's a lot of debate about the ending of the play right and and what isabella does yeah um most often in production she agrees in some form right, right? that's so, assumed that she's gonna say yes yeah i guess if the so duke the, is and her her silence is sort of taken for assent right it's like that other one we we're talking about before clotten or someone says oh, yeah. if, if you don't say no i'm just gonna assume that's a yes yeah so it's, it's that whole logic it's that, again it's that logic. clotten logic it's clotten logic crusty jumper logic yeah yeah so yeah, there's there's kind of a an assumed reading that because she doesn't say no, and and also because it's a comedy, and we have certain expectations of what a comedy should look like. That'd be funny if she said um, no. Yeah, well, in some productions she does. Um, so she you know rejects him in certain ways. So yeah, it's more common for you to see Isabella agreeing in some form in production, whether that's reluctantly or um, enthusiastically. If it's somewhere like the Globe, they have a jig at the end, so you've got to kind of a jig for the happy ending. Yeah, I mean, all to be fair, all early modern plays had a jig at the end. Oh yeah. So even if it's Hamlet, like they all get up off the floor and they're like, and it's time for a jig. Jig time. Because getting jiggy with it. Yeah. Well, and the reason for that is, or one of the reasons, See, Will Smith was ahead of his time. <laughs> way ahead of his time, or behind his time. <laughs> Actually, yeah, good point. He was ahead of his time. <laughs> but 400 years after 400 years afterwards (laughs) yeah no one of the reasons is because you didn't the the play didn't automatically get another performance right so whereas now we have runs of plays where it's guaranteed to be playing for two weeks four weeks six weeks six months whatever at the time you really only had you had a different play every day basically except sunday really yes so you you could go to the theater every day of the week if you wanted to and you had the money and you could see a different performance. So the only way something got revived was if it got a really good audience response. So if they didn't have people leaving the theater really happy and applauding and enjoying themselves, the play wouldn't be popular enough to get another performance. Really? So mm-hmm. you, you could write the whole play, actors could learn all the lines mm-hmm. and they can only do it once. Mm-hmm. Happened a lot. And then they have to do a new play like straight away yeah so they had a repertoire right so the or they just go back to a classic yeah exactly so you could you could go back to like a standard that you know everybody loved and like a rerun spanish tragedy always brings in a crowd you know tamburlaine people like that one so there's there's kind of staples of the repertoire and then there's new plays every year so oh right i get you yeah so tiffany stern who's a um really excellent historian of this period um, I would have to look up the actual figure, but it's something like there's there's a company that learnt as many as sort of 14 new plays in a month sometimes. Wow. Because you've got to have a new play every day, a different play every day. Mm, got to get those punters in. Yeah, you're pretty much, you're, you're not usually repeating something more than once or twice in a month from your repertoire. Wow. Yeah. Um, which also like kind of gives the lie to what we tend to think about Shakespeare. We're like, oh yes, it's the poetry and all oh, the lines have to be word perfect because every single word is chosen so deliberately, blah, blah, blah. There is absolutely no way. He was churning them out. He was churning them out, but also the actors were holding like 20 of them in their heads at a time. Yeah. Right. There is no way they were getting them word perfect. No, no. 
And things got edited in between performances. Oh, yeah. So you Probably might, based on what audience reactions. Yeah, exactly. Things. Or based on who's available to perform it that day, right? Like, say your clown is sick and you've got someone new in, he's going to ad lib slightly What are you going to do if your clown is sick? I mean... <laughs> You know, you got your back. I mean, we all know all that. We've, we've all been in that situation. We've all been in that situation. <laughs> but you have your backup clown. It's like your second string in football, right? Your backup clown. Your backup clown. Yeah. Clown too. Yeah, your apprentice, right? So you, you have someone. Clown apprentice. Clown yeah. apprentice, yeah. So you might have somebody coming in who has a slightly different style or um, has learnt the lines differently or whatever. So. I better not have like a different hat or something. Otherwise, I think he's a different character. I know. God forbid. <laughs> So yeah, you you, it's why you get things like the epilogue at the end of As You Like It. I don't know if you remember, we talked about that a little bit. Yes. Um, where basically the actors are sort of begging for applause. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, you get those at the end of lots of plays. And traditionally, you only had an epilogue on the opening, on the premiere performance, right? The first time it's performed because it's a new play and you want to convince people to applaud a lot so that the theater managers yeah. will think, oh, we got to revive this one. People loved it. Right. Okay. Mm. Mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, measure for measure. Any, any final comments before we move on to the misogynometer? Springer's final thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think, I, I think I've probably made my comments about okay. Isabella and Bernard, Bernadine. Barnadine. Barnadine. And Ragazine. And Ragazine. Is, is Ragazine your hermit in this one? He's the one that you, a little bit. you feel like. A little bit. I feel. Aligned. I just feel like you've got a pirate in it in the mix, and you're, mm. you know, wasting a pirate opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Missed opportunity, Shakespeare. Mm. Should have had a pirate. Yeah. Should have had a pirate plot. You're going to be upset when we get to Hamlet because it does have a pirate plot, but it doesn't happen on stage. We only hear about it in a letter. Well, that sounds stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> it's like the most exciting The most part exciting of the, thing. It's the yeah. most exciting bit of the plot and it's not on stage. It's like the lion fight. It is like the lion fight. Yeah. It's the lion fight all over it again. Is exactly. Yeah. So I think we should move on given that we're clocking in for two hours oh, at this God, point. Yeah. And you've got a I've meeting got a, in I've like got a meeting at six. So let's just, we'll do a, a fast misogynometer. Fast misogynometer. I'm going to fire this off. All right. Okay. Drum roll. Yeah. I'm going to go 9.5. Oh, I'm interested in what the 0.5 is. Like, what's that? What What would make it like just that 0.5 worse for you? A bunch of women getting killed. Okay, that's true. Nobody dies except Ragazine. Yeah. Ragazine's not a woman, right? No. <laughs> as far as I know. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Ragazine. He's, he's got a beard like Claudio, so. Well, women have been known to have beards. That's true. He's he's given masculine pronouns in the play, okay. so I assume he's a man. Okay. Yes. So yeah, no no women actually die. I mean, I always I never like to give things you know ten out of ten, five out of five because I always feel like that you're saying it's basically not in this case, but generally, <laughs> if you're giving it a score like that, you're saying it's sort of perfect. There's nothing you can do to mm. to make it any better. In this case, there's nothing you could do to make it any more misogynist. I think there is things that could be in there to make it even worse that's true that's true i was i was gonna say 10 out of 10 but actually you're right and there are plays that we'll cover in the next couple of seasons where they're certainly more like overtly violent yeah i mean the women you're now them. convincing me if i should drop it to just a nine. Oh, don't drop it but this is i think i know this play too well i think that's part of the problem is that i'm i've got a lot of investment in 
this story and and the female characters in this play so i feel strongly yeah on their behalf but yeah i think maybe like a 9.75 from me am i allowed a three quarters and i'll drop it to a nine and then we'll average out at like 9.4 or something okay yeah we could yeah 9.4 overall yeah yeah something like that yeah boom boom misogynometer there we go there we are. That was measure for measure. Did it measure up to your expectations? Oh, good one. Or did it shrivel away like Angelo's like tiny dick? dick? <laughs> did it melt in the afternoon sun? <laughs> like Angelo's icicle dick. You tell us in the comments. We yeah. wanna we wanna hear from you. We wanna know. We wanna know. And good day. <laughs> <laughs> what? You've been listening to Not Another Shakespeare Podcast, and this is our pre-recorded outro. If you liked this episode, please review and subscribe. If you hated this episode, maybe share it with a nemesis. You can follow us on social media at Podcast or check out our website, nashakespearepodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see thee next time. And fare thee well. <laughs> <laughs>